0: Getting used to the return of uh, of T-shirt outside weather. Like I literally went outside the other day, and where we are, it was. I've been in the sun plenty of times this year, but it was the first time I stepped in. I was like, "Oh, it's warm here." I'm not used to it being warm even in the sun. (laughs) I don't want to perpetuate the stereotype that Canada is this polar wasteland, but. Sometimes, like, the, the heat really caught me off guard, and now we're uh, in. We're getting very close to summer. I think we've still got a couple weeks left, but it is feeling very summery with the temperatures we have going on. Uh, it's, you know, the, that's the classic East
1: Coast thing of, of we have winter so long that you forget it's going to end. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think it was musician Jonathan Richmond who once said, "Well, Well, I love these hot nights when a t-shirt feels right. You stay up later when everything's outside.
0: Mm, very good, very good. And whether you are beginning to migrate outside or if you're still inside, no matter how you feel about the changing of the seasons, hopefully you're doing so listening to Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Will Young here along with Lucas Mancini. Uh man, we got some stuff come we got some stuff coming up. We got some stuff that has just happened with us, but one thing that we always like to start with is the emails, the correspondence. Over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, and we do have a few uh, since last time, and I'm glad, Lucas, that you're here, that we can talk about it. So, let's start locally. Again, if you would like to send in your emails to be read on the show or just for us, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com, and feel free to tell us what to read and what not to read. Our first one comes from Scott. Hi, Will and Lucas and Mike. I recently caught up on the back catalog after about four months of listening almost every day. Arthur is one of those shows that truly defined my childhood TV experience, so listening to you two talk about it so thoroughly and with such appreciation for it was an incredible nostalgia trip. As a fellow Haligonian, your regional references and humor has been very entertaining for me. Thanks for making Halifax's best podcast in our hearts. Well, thank you, Scott. It's, you know, we we have gotten a few emails from people within the same province, within like the Maritimes, within Canada, but it's rare that we get correspondence from people in the very city in which you and I live. Props to Scott because for the outsized amount that we
1: talk about Halifax, given how small you know the actual Halifax <laughs> listener base is compared to all you fine folks out there in Radio Land, um, Scott must be really being enjoying the podcast because there's a lot more content that pertains to him directly.
0: Yes, I'd like to think that we make it accessible for everybody, but if you are from where we're from, you'll enjoy it just a tiny bit more, and that's. That's not to leave anybody out. That's just a little something extra for the people that are our literal physical neighbors. Our next one is from Anonymous. And Anonymous brought up a very interesting point that I wanted to read out here because it's something that's been happening alongside the last few episodes. This is what they write. As you might know, in the US, the Writers Guild of America is currently on strike due to contract negotiations with the major studios, Netflix, Disney, etc. This is affecting everything from late night shows to television series like Stranger Things. With streaming and now AI, it has also made it harder for these writers to be paid. While this is going on in the U.S., this, of course, still affects Canadians and others abroad who watch American-produced shows. So unless you watch reality TV or the news, expect to see reruns for now. It's unfortunate, but it's also disciplined towards the studios. This is also significant because there has not been a WGA strike since 2007-2008, and while much of Arthur was produced in Canada, there probably were still writer's effects in America. Many celebrities and politicians have shown support for the writers. While Arthur may not be making new episodes anymore, I think it's important for you guys as television critics to acknowledge the strike. This email is being written on May 12th, so by the time you read this, the strike could be over. I also I, know you guys... I don't guys think watch... it is, right? and still not no, over. No, does yeah. not. I also know you guys watch shows and movies beyond Arthur, so many of those are likely more affected than Arthur would be. Thanks for reading. And I think this is a very important thing. I mean, it's... It, it certainly doesn't hurt to say it out loud. But, Lucas, I'm assuming we are both in the same place if we support the Writers Guild of America of, and of we support course. the strike.
1: F them, studio heads. They yeah, can. I'll, I'll tell them where they could uh, go dig a hole and bury their head in it. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah, no, of course. Of course. We, we, you Will, you are a writer yourself, and though it might not be of stage or screen... Mm-hmm. I'm sure you could empathize with their plight, and you know I think it's a uh, I I'm in support of any large working action. So yes, much my heartfelt love goes out to the Writers Guild of America. Um, Now, luckily, (laughs) I don't actually watch that much television. We, me, me and you, when we were trying to come up with the intro for the show this week, we were like, did either of us watch? Succession or Barry, and it's like, no, we, we need those. No, I watch, prof- I watch professional
0: wrestling Exactly,
1: that I like that. And unfortunately, the, professional, the 30 or so professional wrestling writers don't get to go on strike, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, solidarity uh, and much love to them.
0: Solidarity, indeed. We hope the best for the Writers Guild of America. And, of course, I mean, Arthur is still coming out with new material, as we will talk about in a few minutes here on this episode. But... No matter what position uh, that, or rather, I should say, no matter, um, no matter what, we definitely support the working action of the Writers Guild of America. And while we're at it, we have a local uh, working action being taken here in Halifax as well as uh, many of our teachers and and uh, classroom aides and support uh, workers in schools are on strike and we support them as well many are because literally it's where we live very close to home for both of us i'm sure
1: oh my gosh yes uh
0: i I honk by them every morning on my commute so yes absolutely thank you anonymous for bringing this up and we hope that it ends in a favorable resolution for the writers Our last one here is from Ingrid. Hello, Will and Lucas. Lots of people like to talk about what the Arthur characters would major in college. We've we've definitely done this before. However, I'm a graduate of a visual arts college, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. When I was in school, I like to think about what fictional characters would major in if they went to school, to my school specifically. So here are my thoughts on the Arthur characters. Again, this is if they went to a college of art and design. Arthur would major in comic art and minor in creative writing. I say that because canonically, Arthur becomes a published graphic novelist as an adult. This was also my major and minor. At first, I thought Buster would be an animation major, but after further consideration, I think he would be a film major because of his comfort using a camera as seen on postcards from Buster, but he would still take as many animation electives as possible. He would also minor in creative writing. And and to their point, I believe he becomes a teacher in the final episode i want to say i want to say that it's like there's some it's like a writing course of some kind like english maybe I forget, exa- I forget exactly if they mention... Maybe it's history, I don't know. DW would major in illustration. First, I thought this because she reads a lot of children's books, but then I second-guessed it, because the reason she reads them is because she's a young child. Perhaps she would outgrow them by the time she got to college, but then I thought that's because she can be nosy and likes to stay in the know. She may be a good fit for editorial illustration as well, so I'm going to stick with my answer. Imagine that um, you open up. Here's another re- Here's another regional thing. The Chronicle Herald and instead of uh, the normal editorial cartoon, you got Dora Winifred Reed mm. doing the doing the satire cartoon.
1: Yeah, she'd be like, she'd make like a Kathy or something. Ack!
0: <laughs> somebody, please, somebody, please draw that. D.W. is Kathy going ack? Uh, did Did you know that there's like a Kathy ice cream place in the states? What? No, I did not know this. I saw this on Twitter. Sorry, I'm I'm not prepared for this. I'm bringing this up. Kathy. Kathy cartoon. Ice cream. Oh, this is going to be impossible. Oh, no, wait. Here it is. Uh, I, Kathy... I read some,
1: somewhere that despite Kathy portraying kind of like, you know, I don't want to disparage the cartoon character Kathy, but I would describe her as a little bit
0: homely. Uh, sure. The
1: lady who draws Kathy is, like, beautiful. She's like. <laughs> really?
0: <laughs> Which is, yeah, a funny contrast. Uh, so Kathy's ice cream at Universal's Islands of Adventure. So you can go on your your Spider-Man ride, although not for much longer. I'm to understand you can go to Jurassic World. And then you can get yourself some Axe Cream. Is it actually called Axe Cream? No, it's called Kathy's Ice Cream. Oh, okay, okay. That's off the dome, baby. Yeah, that's again, you're the writer of the two of us. (laughs) I didn't even need to workshop that one. All right, let's continue on with the email here. Since Francine grows up to be a fashion designer for athletic shoes, I think she would major in product design and minor in entrepreneurial studies. Muffy would major in entrepreneurial studies. I considered the possibility of her taking classes in sculpture because of the episode Muffy's Art Attack. But when I thought about it more, she doesn't take a lot of interest in sculpture during that episode. The Brain would major in web and multimedia. Binky would major in drawing slash painting with a minor in art history. I say this because of his knack for understanding art, as seen in the episode where they go to the art museum. George would study furniture design because of his woodworking skills. Mm -hmm. That's all I have for now take care so some interesting potential there now I think we could go off on a much bigger tangent about this. Um, so we don't have to do absolutely every character but Lucas when we think about where you and I went to school together um do any particular classes or like uh, disciplines strike you as one of the Arthur characters?
1: I mean I, I could Buster is a shoe-in for radio and television I feel like he's predisposed mm-hmm. for it. Um, Arthur, um, so you're talking about, like, at the community college we went to? Yeah, Uh, sure, yeah. uh, Hmm, I'm trying to think. There was no fashion program for Muffy. Like, see, a lot of the kids, I feel like it's pretty, uh, well, you would say it's almost a foregone conclusion, but then everybody kind of ends up in weird uh, jobs in the finale that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to have.
0: That's true. It's it's a little bit off the beaten path. There's uh, The community college we went to, there's plenty of trades. There's plenty of uh, interesting places to seed into, as Lucas and I both did. And you can find them, certainly, for the archetypes that the kids are at their age. But a lot of growing goes on between 8 years old and, I don't know, what what were they supposed to be? Like, 28? Like Was it 20 years later in the final episode? Mm. Anyway. um, You could could certainly do this all day. I do like this idea. Uh, If you have any ideas for, if you've been to post-secondary, And uh, you have an idea of where the Arthur characters would go in your college. Let us know. I'd love to hear it. And thanks, everybody, for emailing in. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. Speaking of thanks, we want to give thanks to our patrons over at Patreon.com slash Limits, Getting some good feedback on our latest exclusive podcast, which just dropped last week. That is the episode of ECL Origins that is all about Homestar Runner. That's one of our longest podcasts that we've done. Not the longest, but it's up there because we had a lot to say and we really had a great time going back and revisiting one of our favorite web cartoons ever. And if you love Homestar Runner or if you don't know anything about it and you're a patron, definitely check it out. If you're not a patron, please consider. And you could become like wonderful people such as Christine Wong and Macy Ball, uh, Shayna Bennett. Mar, uh, excuse me, Rachel Pearson, Marlo Stanfield. I, not to, I, I have the X next to your name, Marlo Stanfield, but, uh, uh. cause we, cause I must've said it in the last couple of weeks, but I'll say it again. There's no reason not to, to Christine Lescody, Thank you all very much. Alison Archambault. Thank you. Thank you to Emmy, the ghost and Kirsten. Thank you to young. Wee and Zara. Thank you to Matt M and Josh and Dallow Thank you to Dear Miss Elizabeth, a.k.a. Z, and Chloe. Thank you to Alicia and Matt Osborne. And thank you as well to our newest patrons, Scott Ripley and Horace May. And again, patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. We will talk about what's going to be the next exclusive Patreon episode in June at the end of this podcast. So, we are going to get into the Arthur episode that we are on in season 17 in just a moment because literally just today that we are recording this, finally, we like, I did I say this a month ago? Please put the new Arthur short globally, please make it available to us in Canada. And they finally did it. So, briefly, want to touch on yeah. the. Newest piece of Arthur content available, it's called, it's a three-minute YouTube short. It's available on the Arthur Reed YouTube channel. If you're in America, it is. it has been available for the last couple of weeks on pbskids.org and the PBS Kids channel. It's called Arthur, It's Okay to Feel Worried. It's three-minute. Will, three I, min- don't, I yeah. don't know
1: if you noticed this or not, but we are in the five-hour gang. Uh, currently, it's sitting on YouTube with, uh, I saw it when it was at 157 views. Wow. So we are we are early on to the YouTube audience is not yet. It's not in the algo. Uh it's okay to feel worried.
0: So it's okay to feel worried is a very short animation about Arthur, Francine and Buster. They are all worried about different things of varying sizes. And I will say this felt like it was written m- l- farther away than it was actually released. So Buster is worried about a test that they are going to take. Arthur is worried about coming back to school with COVID. And Francine is worried about global warming. Arthur's also
1: worried about the economy. His dad, he heard his parents talking and his dad has to get a second job. That's
0: right. Yeah. Arthur does mention the uh, COVID, but you're right. One of the, the other thing that he mentions is, yeah, which, which would be like a, you could get a few episodes out of that. uh, Dave Reed getting a second job. So Mr. Ratburn gives them a few ways to manage their anxiety because their anxiety is presenting in fairly typical ways. Buster is having trouble sleeping. Francine is having trouble sleeping. And Arthur gets, like, the kind of upset stomach when he is anxious, which are pretty classic anxiety symptoms, and which I've gotten all of those because I also have anxiety. Mr. Ratburn gives them a few ways to manage their anxiety. It's very simple stuff. And, again, this is directed at kids. Very, very, like, beginner-level stuff if you are just beginning to deal with these kinds of feelings. So a bit of deep breathing, exercise can be very helpful, and, of course, talking to someone, which is what the cartoon encourages you to do. At the end, Mr. Ratburn encourages the camera, talks right to the camera, and in a very reassuring voice, it, it reminded me that Arthur Holden, who is the voice of Mr. Ratburn, his voice is very calming. This is a great character to deliver, like, a very calming, reassuring, peaceful message to the camera. And he would be
1: good at, like, doing an audiobook or something.
0: Yes, he would. Maybe he has. Mm, I should I should look that up. Even He even says even adults can be anxious about things. So it's normal to feel that way. These are some ways to deal with it, and it's it's all going to be okay, which I think is a very good thing. What, that's something you can say, is that even though this feels like it was written, I I had the feeling that like, it feels like it was written in 2021 would be my guess, because that was when we were past the most, the biggest lockdowns of COVID, but it, there was still a lot of nerves about getting back out into the world, masks or no masks, and kind of the, the fear of catching COVID was still very high. Not to say that, it isn't to some degree but it has lessened quite a bit like it, it surprised me to see a special being released this year that is still this nervous about covid um just because i'm used to i'm used to nobody wearing masks anymore unfortunately i'm i feel like i'm one of the only people who still does i know there are several people i know personally who still do but it feels like it's kind of it, it, it's quote over because people want it to be over but it's not really over anyway i think this is a great topic to release and cartoon on nice to see new arthur in whatever form and this has been i think something very successful that the recent arthur digital shorts have done is that they're very topical Mm. and they speak to its audience in a way that is very accessible for all ages as arthur often does I'm of two minds about it
1: because I actually do think that if they're not going to do new episodes of Arthur, uh, there's still messages that the Arthur characters and the the particular Arthur writing uh, is really well suited to convey. Um, but I don't know if I'm a fan of the the topical nature of it, and I think this just might okay. say this might say more about me. Uh, than it does about you know anybody involved with making this, but it, it gives me the same feeling that like that, that Sesame Street thing where Elmo's dad was talking about the vaccine. Oh right, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you this is like, like you didn't like that. Well, this is this is less heinous than that, but it's just weird to hear like Arthur and Buster say COVID. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that that's yeah. not necessarily a a real a, a part of everyday people's lives, but I I think back to the episode. Where, um, remember when the school burnt down and the kind of, uh, April,
0: oh my God, I'm going to get the date wrong and people are going to get so mad at me. (laughs) Sorry. I'm going to look it up. April, April 9th. Right. Ooh. Yeah. I just have to be careful there.
1: And the subtext of that episode was all about dealing with, like, 9-11 trauma. Sure. Um, and I feel like it makes that episode... Because even you are saying right now, okay, it feels like it was of this era. You know, it feels like it's it's from 2021. Yeah. And I feel like when something is a video as opposed to a TV show, there's less of a need for it to feel timeless. But I think the writing is a little bit more elevated when it is a little bit more timeless. And so I think that, like, the right. same lesson of mindfulness and... Dealing with anxiety can be conveyed without it being so. I, I, I again, these are literally after-school specials, so it's kind of me getting mad at a, a fish for swimming in water. But <laughs> I, uh, I, I guess I'm just not the. I, I really don't really. I don't like after-school specials that much. So okay. to hear it be so ripped from the headlines and for it to be so like, okay, you might be stressed about COVID, uh, but breathe deeply. I like the creativity. Of when they're talking about something without directly talking about something. So Arthur talking about like, oh, you know, there's this stressful situation going on and having it be a little bit more timeless and a little bit less ripped from the headlines. That's again, my personal sensibility, but for what it is, I, I think it's successful. And I, I am excited by the prospect of more animated Arthur, even if it's in three minute segments. Uh, I'm going to try and keep up with these videos and watch them as they come out.
0: I appreciate uh, where you're coming from with that. I think the the positive to it being a bit more topical of the time is that Arthur has been doing that with its digital shorts for the past few years. They were actually very quick with the content during the pandemic about the early pandemic measures, whether it was a video or whether it was just promoting the like uh, – like the hand-washing techniques in early 2020 and all that kind of stuff. So COVID is part of this newer Arthur that is post the TV show airing. But I I, I understand what you're saying about it. it. And I guess that's a problem, I guess more of the length. When it's when you have 11 minutes versus three, when you have three minutes, you really have to get to the point and there's not, not a lot of room for nuance. I You could still do it, but it would be a bit more difficult. But uh I, okay, well, generally, we both feel pretty positive about it, all things considered. Anyway, there we go. We finally watched the new one. Hopefully, it'll come to us a little sooner next time. But let's talk about the episode in Season 17 that we have prepared for. We're starting off with Opposites Distract. Lucas, have you ever noticed how hard it is to get started on your homework? Or- um,
1: I noticed that maybe 15 years ago when I had homework. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, well, we had we had homework. We had homework in community college. So, did, did that ever take you a while?
1: I feel like it wasn't even that intense. Um, <laughs> uh, I I I don't know. Yeah, let's I, let's just say for the sake of argument. Yes, I've noticed how hard it is to focus when you have homework.
0: <laughs> Does this ever happen to you? So we start with Arthur. He's getting perfectly prepped. He's doing everything just so in a very particular way, you know, his pencils are all sharpened, he's got the ruler in case he needs it. DW bothers him in a couple of ways. She asks him if he wants to play a game called Bunny Farm, which looks to be a take-home version of whack-a-mole, and Arthur needs his light bulb in his desk lamp, which DW stole to use with her Merry Moo Cow oven. You know, the Mary Moo the those Easy Bake oven lights. The the those light bulbs are pretty small. They're not I wouldn't say that they would be like Strong enough to read under. I Yeah, is he putting
1: like a regular uh, incandescent light under uh, in an Easy Bake Oven? Like, is that going to make uh, DW's pastry uh, burn? Um, lots yeah. of questions about this.
0: I, ne- I never got to use an Easy Bake Oven, even though I really wanted to when I was a kid. So Arthur gets everything just so, and then the roof starts leaking. And this goes into the actual episode where there is a leak in the ceiling in Arthur's room. And the workmen are going to take potentially up to a week to fix it, which if it's just one leaky spot, I hope, that, I hope the reeds aren't being taken for a ride here. Like, I hope that the workmen didn't upsell them into completely reshingling the roof or something. <laughs> but, remember, this is not the,
1: yeah. the second time that someone has to, had to stay at someone else's house due to uh, a roof incident. Hopefully, the reeds are getting better people than Mr. Ratburn got. Do you remember when Mr. Rappard's roof caved in? Oh, yeah. And he had to stay with the reeds. It's coming full circle.
0: <laughs> and there's another reference to a similar situation later on in this very episode. So... Arthur can't study in his preferred study place. There's no part of the house that isn't distracting in some way, whether it's DW's room or the den, or he later tries the tree house. Like, none of it's working. When we see Arthur trying to... Study in the like TV room slash office. We get a look at Mom Reed's more modernized setup for her tax business. So now she's now we're in 2012. I think this is or around there. So Mom Reed has like the FaceTime. She's got the she's got the headset going on. It's all d- digital frontier. She's on the cutting edge. D- he can't study in DW's room. DW even says, "Mom, Arthur's looking at me," which we uh, lane we re- re- revisit later. So Arthur, he try He gets his. He has to do a three-page report. He gets it done in the treehouse, but it's windswept and a bit mushy, and there's leaves in it and stuff. So Buster offers to let Arthur study at his place, uh, which they think is a great idea. Muffy does not, and this is where we get the reference to season one. Francine references Muffy staying with her in season one. This was while, what was being done in Muffy's house? Uh, I don't, oh gosh, I can't believe I don't remember this. It, there was something with their house where they couldn't stay there uh, and Muffy stayed with Francine. And I, again, kudos for them referencing something from much, much further back in the Arthur catalog. But Muffy says, Young Entrepreneur Magazine told her that 75% of friends who work together don't stay together. And we continually go back to, in Arthur and Buster's mind, Muffy saying, this isn't going to work out. I told you this wasn't going to work out, so she's the naysayer here. But Arthur and Buster are expecting themselves to be completely productive. They're best friends, they love each other's company, they'll be twice, three times as productive, and then they'll get to do all the fun stuff they love to do together. This reminds me a lot of when I was 18, 19, and I thought, wouldn't it be the coolest thing in the world to live with my best friends? For us all to live under the, <laughs> under the same roof, and you're laughing because I'm sure we both had that thought of like, well, it'd be easy. I already get along with my friends, so what? The, like, there's never going to be any problems if we live together.
1: Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men. I uh, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I get sick of my friends on vacation, let alone in a living right. situation. Uh, what I like about this imagination sequence is, first of all, they have their desks like arranged in. Buster's room in a way that it never is, which is, like, side by side. Yeah. Uh, And um, Arthur uh, says, I just finished my math homework for the entire year. Uh, And Buster has made a complete timeline of the War of 1812, which, for the Americans listening, by the way, scoreboard, scoreboard! Anyway, continue.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so they have this (laughs) unrealistic expectation that they're going to be very, very productive. First... When Arthur first comes over, he has a hard time getting used to Buster's room. It's very messy. As we know, Buster is kind of slobby, and he does things his own way. As he says, he has his own system. So, for example, with his laundry, he's got three different laundry piles, none of which are actually in the laundry basket. One of them is a pile of clothes that he's only worn for one day. There's a different pile of clothes that he's only worn for two days, and then there's a much larger pile of... Clothes he has worn for 30 days, or hasn't worn for 30 days, something like that. And it's like, you know, the green fumes coming off of it. And he is also still eating food from other countries that are of dubious spoilage, I would say. Um, and This is really them... funny. Yeah his, yeah, his
1: system of, because he's got a geography test coming up, and the system is that, like, um, each person piece of dubious food uh, represents a different country. It says the onion is Oman, the pepper is Peru, the radish is Romania. Uh, and we kind of just, this is where we cut back to Arthur's shocked face and we get our first kind of flashback to uh, France, uh, Muffy being like, it's not going to work out.
0: <laughs> and we get some more puns along the way of uh, the different food countries. The ones I wrote down that I really liked were Rhubarbados and Sp- Spanish. So Arthur, this he really doesn't like this. There's barely anywhere for him to sit. And the next day, when Arthur comes over, Buster is at his Alien Invasion Defense Club, which he runs. That right? Like it can't be that somebody invented that. Like it's got to be his thing. Surely they
1: they buried the lead on this episode because I absolutely want to (laughs) hear see an episode of Buster's Alien Invasion Defense Club. I want to know who else is there. Um, Mm -hmm. Buster, we get a. This is the only peak we kind of get into the unseen meeting of the Alien Invasion Defense Club, is that Buster comes in with a tinfoil hat on, and he says, Hey, Arthur, did you know tinfoil can block mind control rays? Oh, Lord.
0: Oh, God. I really hope we don't lose that boy. But while he was gone, Arthur cleaned Buster's room top to bottom, rearranged it, put the laundry away. And he thinks this is a good thing, but... It did mess up Buster's entire system. Now, I also share this um, I've said before, I I relate the most to Arthur because I think we our brains are broken in the same ways. I have this same intrusive thought that I constantly have to bury of I want to clean all of my friends' apartments all the time. And it's and it's not a judgment on them. It's me. Like the I am the problem here. As I need to let people exist in their own spaces the way that they want to exist, but I sometimes I just really want to clean other people's places. And so I I understand where Arthur's coming from in this, but it is it was not the right move to do.
1: And yeah, well I I understand where Buster's coming from. This even though you know I pride myself on being neat and tidy and have quite a neat and tidy place, but if I came home to you cleaning my stuff, Will I would be incensed. I'd be saying, get your muddy paws off of my things without my permission.
0: Of course, of course. And yeah, no, then he's completely doing this without uh, Buster's consent. So there's that element of it as well. So Buster, this definitely puts him in the wrong headspace. And then he begins to get annoyed at Arthur's little idiosyncrasies. Which I really liked the sequence of Arthur doing the little things that we all do, making the little noises we all make, and the little things that we all do that to other people can come across very, very poorly. So one of them is Arthur when he cleans his glasses, he makes this noise. It's meant it's meant to sound like, of course, he is fogging up the glasses with his breath to like wipe it, but he's like, heh. Like it sounds like he's trying to hit a note almost. And he also, when he's checking off problems on his homework, he goes, Done, done, done. And when Buster, there's some there's some great reads from Daniel Brochu of like him just biting back his anger of when when he sees that Arthur's cleaned the room, he's just like, Okay. Thank you for helping me. <laughs> and th- and then when Arthur's doing the thing where he's checking off the problems, he's like, Arthur, do you <laughs> have to do that every time? And Bar- Arthur doesn't even realize he's doing it. It's very true to just, like, little things we don't even realize that we're doing half the time. And this is what's really getting – what I also love is that there's some really – Weird faces that Buster pulls here in this segment. Some very fun expressions that we don't typically see. It's like, it's trying to communicate that Buster is like so frustrated, like beside himself with frustration that he's going a little, he, he's starting to jokerfy a little bit. Yes. Okay. Will, I wrote down the
1: exact same note. I have all caps <laughs> jokerfied Buster because we get to <laughs> zoom in because Arthur kind of gaslights Buster here. Arthur is like, I'm not saying done. Um, and then we zoom in on our, Buster's like eye twitching as he's like trying to like push down uh, his negative thoughts. This this got a hearty chuckle out of me. I I I was empathizing with Buster. I it would drive me absolutely <laughs> insane to have Arthur go done 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 and then deny it. Uh, and the the faces that Buster is making are unlike anything we've seen in the show thus far. I think so. Jokerified Buster. Uh, was was a high point of the episode for me.
0: I'm really pleased sometimes at how well you and I map onto mm-hmm. Arthur and Buster. We didn't we didn't plan it out that way, and even though that's part of our logo on our social media, it's like we we really didn't plan for it to be that way, but it does happen. We even go so far. Uh, Mom, Reed, and Bitsy meet up in the mall, and Bitsy says that their their time together, Arthur and Buster, is like that old sitcom. And we get this extended reference that is definitely only for the parents. I had to look up to make sure because I did, I've never really seen this show. It's an extended bit about the odd couple. The, yeah, it's before the, my time. Yeah, me too. Like, I recognize the theme song, but only because it's like it's a classic theme song. Um, yeah, it. it, it I, I guess this is the opening of the odd couple. And it definitely surprised me that they would reach back that far, but they are not certainly not above doing this. And. It's one of those for the parents types of things. So Arthur and Buster, eventually they can't take it anymore. They blow up at each other over, you know, Arthur thinks Buster's a slob and Buster thinks Arthur's a neat freak. And they blow up. Buster leaves his own house uh, to consult with Muffy and Francine, who also fight with each other. So it's not exactly uh, um, a fruitful discussion. While, Buster is gone. Arthur's still in Buster's room, and Bitsy comes in with a food called spaghetti marshmallow balls. So it's seems to be a plate of spaghetti with meat spaghetti and meatballs, but on top of the meatballs are marshmallows. And later she credits this to a Buster concoction. Hey, so we're
1: we're gonna reverse our roles here, Will. I'm oh, usually what? Mr. I'll try anything. Oh, uh, this is revolting. This is, this is, <laughs> and you know what, Will? Yeah. I was like, what's the difference between this? Why would I try the fish ice cream, but I wouldn't try this? And mm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why, Will. Yeah. It is my Italian heritage. Oh. Okay. okay? You, you, you can't mess. It's, it's, it's the sanctity of the, you know, the pasta bolognese mm. is, is being uh, defiled here. With these marshmallows? Are you kidding me? Uh, I'm sorry. This is where I draw the line. Um, You could not pay me to consume this. this, I I, I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's food. This novelty (laughs) that Bitsy has has cooked up here. I find it insulting. I find it an affront uh, to the greatest nation on Earth. So... Um, that's my thoughts. What about you, Will? Would you try the the, the, the the pasta and marshmallows?
0: I'm a little offended you even have to ask. Of course of course not. No. <laughs> it, and, and even Ar- later on, Arthur's just like, huh, it actually does work. And I'm like, I don't believe you. Like, c- come on now. Let's not even. It's, uh, no. And, and you know what? I should have guessed that you would have objected eject- to this on cultural grounds. So that totally tracks uh, where maybe fish ice cream got a little bit of a longer leash. Um, yeah, so Buster and Arthur do make up. While, while he's gone, I should say Buster also consults DW. We get a turnaround here like DW is Dr. No in the big villain chair uh, petting a cat. Uh, she has a line here about, like, annoying behaviors that Arthur has, one of which is Arthur doesn't let him braid his hair. Where? What what hair? What are we talking about?
1: Wait, Arthur doesn't let who braid their hair? I missed So this. so so
0: DW DW is talking about like annoying things that Arthur does. And one of the things is like uh not letting you braid his hair. Oh,
1: his hair. Oh yeah, true. Yeah, it's more fur, I suppose.
0: Ah, uh, I I always thought it was I know he's an aardvark, but I always thought it was like closer to skin. What? Whoa. What? Well, right,
1: we're we're on season fifteen of Arthur and I'm learning <laughs> things about you, Will. That's crazy. So you thought that Arthur is like yeah. bald and covered with flesh <laughs> as opposed to like I always pictured him like how the like the Arthur stuffies are where it's like almost like felt. Like he's like Fozzy Bear or something. Oh so you're in your hmm. mind's eye. This is crazy because I'm like looking at Arthur right now and trying to see it from your perspective, and this is blowing my mind. Right, you see Arthur as like when people draw, um, uh, Pokemon, but realistic. Doesn't it look messed up? You know what I'm talking about? Like <laughs> yes, that kind I do. of deviant art stuff. Yes, so you think Arthur's covered with skin?
0: Uh, yeah, I'm beginning to realize that maybe this is not something that's. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. No. I. I... Yeah it's gotta be it's gotta be fur like i it, I think it's just the way it's colored in i just huh, hmm. it must because be hard now, to okay, replicate like, that think, texture and animation
1: do you think buster because buster's got like buster's hair quote unquote is like a few strands like homer simpson style sticking out yeah. of his head did you think that buster was skid as well or because he's white you were seeing it as fur because his ears are the same color this right. is really crazy. I cannot believe... We've been doing this for years, Will. <laughs> and I had no idea that this is how you were seeing the characters of Arthur. I'm, I'm really taken aback here.
0: It really comes and goes with the character. With Buster, I for, I always thought it was fur. He also explicitly referred to it as fur. Arthur has never said that he is furry. Um, Yeah, no, I just always thought that it was like... I don't know. Just It, it looked really smooth to me. But Buster does look like fur. Anyway, I... I I, I, I guess I apologize for bringing this up uh. in just in terms of like, uh, I don't know. It's just I, I I think the I think the key thing here is I've never really thought about it. I always just kind of let my eyes do the work for me. But you know what they say. Eyes can lie sometimes.
1: Well, I want to hear from the folks at home. Is yeah. Arthur covered with fur or is he a skin, a skinwalker or something crazy like that? <laughs>
0: um, so they do make up with each other. Uh, but they do still get into... They end up getting into a fight again about their reverse tendencies. Uh, Buster does say, sorry, I threw a vegetable country at you. Uh, so I did, I did like that. But they get stuck in Buster's room when the, door, when the doorknob falls off. So the doorknob falls off, they are stuck in there, and they are still a little bit at odds. But Buster admits that when Arthur cleaned his room, he found a board game that he didn't know that he had anymore called Monster Surgery. And him and Arthur play together as Bitsy gets the doorknob back on the door. And they have a good time playing Monster Surgery. That's when they really make up. And at the end of the episode, they determine that next time they will do their studying separately and then uh, have fun together. But the, the tag on this is that Buster puts down the bionic bunny walkie-talkie and then his roof starts to leak. So Wait, right, so that's
1: the fourth roof leak.
0: Yes, yeah. And the second in the episode. Uh and yeah, so here we go again. But I will say, man, those bionic bunny walkie-talkies get some great reception. Not only not only are Buster and Arthur like blocks away, like at least 12 or 13 blocks according to one episode, but this is during like a uh Significant rainfall. Those things are worth their worth their weight in, in terms of whatever uh, their parents paid for them. And now, a word from us kids. And now, a word from us kids. This one is where Beaver Summer programs, these kids are split into pairs to create their own smoothies. Some interesting combinations here. Now, I had a bit of a smoothie phase when I was... Uh, when we were working at the same radio station, but mine were pretty were pretty conservative. Like mine was just Greek yogurt, frozen fruit and milk. And I'd put it in a Ninja blender and pretty simple stuff. Some of these concoctions these kids are doing are a little bit more complex. Vegetable juice, chocolate, one is described as strawberries. Uh. Yeah.
1: The only notes I had for this was there's one girl at the start that, like, taste tests the different smoothies, and she's, like, a total natural. Like, um, I was getting a kick out of this girl being like, your smoothie's pretty good, but yours, I don't really like it that much. And I was like, oh, this girl's commanding the screen right now. The other thing I have written down is that uh, one of the kids (laughs) offers the advice, because, again, they have to somehow relate this to the Arthur episode we just watched. One of the kids was like, if Buster and Arthur made smoothies together— they would have gotten along because they know what they like and what they don't like. I don't know <laughs> if that is
0: so applicable to the situation as portrayed in the episode, but hey, they tried. No. It's, sometimes you can't get it exactly one-to-one. But some of these sound okay. I will say the one other thing is that the one of the adults suggests adding kale or celery. Now, kale is protein. You can mix it in there. Fine with that you keep celery out of my smoothie. Ooh. Celery is such, it's such a it's such a strong ingredient. I hate when people put celery in things.
1: I, I'm, it's a strong ingredient. I don't know. I, you could say that you really don't like it and you notice the texture, but I think st- celery is the antithesis of strong. It's like solid water.
0: I know. I, I, I feel like I've gone on this tangent before on this show, but I just I don't appreciate it when celery shows up in salads, wow. so I don't want to drink it either. I, wow. And the, the idea is that it's blended, but it's just like, ugh, no. Have you just... Just give, me, just give me, like, real water. Don't give me solid water in a smoothie, you know? You ever play uh, Fable on the Xbox, Will? <laughs> no, I never did.
1: In Fable, uh, there's a system where, you know, the more bad things you do, the more evil your outward appearance looks. Like, you get horns and you get all evil looking. And oh, the, sure. The, the, yep. the more good things you do, the more, like, nice you look. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, in Fable, if you eat a bunch of celery, it makes you nicer. Because <laughs> uh, it's, like, a net positive, I guess. I don't know. All right. Uh, okay. So I guess what I'm saying is you would be an evil guy in Fable because no, you're not touching that stuff. <laughs> no, no. See, see, I like celery. Just don't oh. mix
0: celery in with things. Mm. Just The jury's on still its out.
1: Home. The jury's still out, folks. Whether Will would be good or evil, I'd have to ask Peter Modellandu, uh where you've come down.
0: Yeah, you 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 go ahead and ask him that, and then he'll <laughs> I don't know. Ask Milo. See see if he
1: yeah. will <laughs> ask Milo.
0: Supporting this podcast is how it keeps going, and it's very easy to do. So here's how you can do that. If you're listening to this show and want to get the full back catalog of Elwood City Limits and all of its sister shows and offshoots, you can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and even more services. You can also go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Elwood City Limits, for the full back catalog. If we aren't on a service you use, please let us know. You can interact with us on social media. We're on Twitter, at ECL Podcast. Instagram, at at Elwood City Limits and twitch.tv slash Elwood City Limits pod for our occasional streams. We're also on Facebook and Tumblr. Feel free to reach out to us on social media or you can email us and your email might be right on the show Elwood City at gmail.com. Finally for exclusive content including entire side series like For the Kids a PBS Kids podcast and ECL Origins subscribe to us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. That's all for now. Thanks a lot for listening, and now back to the show. Then we've got just the ticket, which is another Arthur question posed to us in the cold open. Do you ever feel like you're the only one who never wins anything? This is starting to starting. To, Arthur's turning into Jonathan Frakes here. He's asking us a lot of things. Mm, yeah, someone needs to make a YouTube, uh, Twitter video of all the questions Arthur asks
1: for, like, which me on a wh- Tinder date.
0: <laughs> that would be tough. There's a, I mean, there's a lot of these cold opens, but there's a fair amount of them that has Arthur asking a direct question to the audience. So that would be a time-consuming thing that I absolutely encourage one of our listeners to do. Uh, so Arthur, of course, feels like he never wins anything. But in this cold open, he's about to go out and play baseball, but he answers the phone. And it turns out to be the lo- one of the local radio stations... And there's a lot of radio in this episode, which I appreciate it. It's Q-R-A-D, Rad Rockin' Radio. And they have informed Arthur that he has won a radio contest for eight front row tickets to a band called Static Airwaves.
1: So, you Will, as as a radio professional, you smelled the BS with this from a mile away. I can just tell by the inflection of your voice when you said eight.
0: You're like, well, no one
1: ever wins eight tickets.
0: True that, but... It wasn't so much that I smelled the BS, it's that, well, we're going to talk about it in a second, I I will tell you. But certainly, whenever radio is represented in something, I perk up a little bit because I was, and we both were, uh, industry professionals at one point. So there's, a, there's an element to this that would be a little bit different. So Arthur is very excited about this. We never, well, we'll talk about Static Airwaves near the end because we do get a little bit of them. So it's a band called Static Airwaves. Uh, not based off anything real as much as I could tell. At first, when I heard that name, for some reason, the first thing I went to was like City in Color. Like it sounded, it was a similar type of name of like City and Color or Angels in Airwaves. Like it almost sounded like an acoustic band.
1: See, so I knew what was going on with Static Airwaves. Like I, not to cannibalize our Homestar episode, but I was like, this is going to be some limousine sounding music uh, and I wasn't disappointed
0: so Arthur runs off to tell his friends they go to play baseball and he plans to take all of them because it's Arthur and seven of his friends uh, the normal crew uh, and they're all very excited and they go back to Arthur's place the tickets are being delivered that afternoon so they wait and wait and wait And the radio station delivers them, not face-to-face, which is, you know, they could have used that as a photo opportunity, put that on their social media, but whatever. I don't work for them. Uh, The radio station only gives him two tickets. He later calls the station, and Arthur says the DJ got the number wrong. Dude, if I did that, I would get in so much trouble. Not Not only from the contest winner, but, like, from our bosses. Like, I would be... Oh, I would never hear the end of that one. And I'd be made fun of for like the rest of my career.
1: Yeah, they'd call you Mr. Eight Tickets. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Make sure you get the number right. Like that that guy's never living that down. So now he's got much less tickets and he has to decide who to take with him. And most of this episode are Arthur's friends trying to butter themselves up Uh, to him on their own as to like why they should take him buster initially shoes everybody away so that arthur can make his decision but it's because he's so confident that arthur's going to pick him the kids blow up arthur's phone there's a montage of everybody continually trying to call arthur to assuage him over to them Uh, the arthur wiki had a note that arthur's phone has caller id now so he knows who's calling even before he picks up the phone uh, there is a reference, another reference to Static Airwaves, that they've been around for a few years because Francine talks about liking them since kindergarten. She brought in their CD uh, for show and tell, so the this band has been around for a few years at least. The phone messages get to be so much, and Arthur is constantly like, Mom, Reed is constantly saying, Arthur, can you get the phone? And he keeps having to raise the phone to not answer it. Like he's not even really taking the calls; they're all going to message. And then he just begs Mom Reed, can we please stop answering the phone for a while? Which leads to them all having dinner while wearing these giant noise-canceling headphones to block out the sound of the constant phone calls.
1: Question about this. I mean, it works for the bit. Obviously, I'm I'm doing nitpicking here because it's a really funny situation. Uh, Probably the highlight of the episode, honestly. But um, would it not be easier just to unplug the answering machine?
0: Well, I wonder if it's also connected to the phone. Like, I, I think we're past the point where we have individual answering machines, so they would have well, to unplug the phone. I and-
1: digress. Maybe they should unplug. I mean, what emergency is going to happen during this dinner? I, I, I again, it's I, that's the nature I, of emergency, though. Oh my goodness gracious! Also, don't we have cell phones at this point? They have a rotary. They have a home phone, a landline. Is hey, it twenty fourteen now?
0: Uh, hey. Jane, 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 and Dave Reed are from our parents' generation. My mother still has a home phone. So my like, my
1: parents do not still have a home phone, and I don't. I can't remember when they last did.
0: Well, I mean, hey, it's 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 just their decision, and it's a very <laughs> parent. It's very parent coded to have a uh, to have a landline. So it, it makes sense for this for I'd this be, specifically.
1: I'd be smashing that phone like I was in. Uh, groundhog day. This was this was crazy. The when Swell's talking about hey about those 20 other messages, um, I was getting flashbacks to again our Homestar Runner episode to uh Marzipan's answering machine.
0: And a, I mean in a couple more years this would be them just like blowing up his Snapchat or something or his Twitter DMs. So you know, eventually this this is going to probably change quite a bit. It's I think it's a little bit dated more than a little bit dated, to uh, leave answering machine messages on someone's phone, because who uses the phone as a phone anymore? Uh, Arthur even briefly imagines his friends as zombies, who he goes to see them in this little uh, thought bubble, and they turn around and go, tickets, tickets. So he only sees them as these people who want something. Arthur goes to the library, which is where all of his friends very quietly swarm him. And this has got to be... Up there for an episode in which the word Arthur is said so many times. Like I don't know if I'm going to make a super cut of it or anything but the word Arthur, it's got to be near 20 of just every time everybody's like, Arthur, Arthur, hey Arthur, mm-hmm. Arthur, Arthur, Arthur and they're literally saying it like that eventually. They're very quietly swarming him uh, just trying to get his attention and Arthur leaves the library he trips over the front steps, and he finds out that he actually lost the tickets. Uh, so everybody searches the library immediately, but they can't find it. Arthur's very glad to have lost the tickets. This is, this is you know, the idea behind the cold opening is that, like, sometimes you can win something. So, uh, sometimes it's actually better to be a loser than to actually win something. And in this case, it's only made him miserable because his friends won't leave him alone, and he doesn't know who to bring with him. So he's very elated initially that he doesn't have the tickets anymore. And then he sends a mass email to everybody to just be like, hey, whoever finds the tickets, you can keep them. Use, it, like, use them in good health. Wipes his hands of the whole thing. But the unfortunate problem is that everybody thinks that Arthur just lied. His friends just don't believe that he lost the tickets at all and is lying to them. To the point where nobody sits with him at lunch. And George sits with him and eventually just gets Binky to frisk Arthur. He literally goes like, Binky, frisk him. Yeah. Uh, because Arthur just wants to prove that he's not lying. Even George thinks he's lying. So Binky pats him down, doesn't find anything, but it turns out the tickets were in a book the whole time, and he just forgot they were there. And at this point, Arthur is desperate to get rid of these things. He just tries to get rid of the tickets. Again, in a thematic similarity to a v- the earliest episode, Arthur's Eyes. This reminded me of when Arthur was trying all of those ways to get rid of his glasses so he wouldn't have to wear them. He tries leaving the tickets on a sign that just says free tickets uh, but the tickets blow off of the sign and attach to his back. He tries to leave them under a rock even. And that's when Bailey notices this. He's been low-key following Arthur this whole episode at Muffy's order and he returns the tickets to him. Again, very similar of like when Arthur left the his glasses in like a leaf pile. And dad brought them back into the house. But Bailey let his friends know that Arthur was trying desperately to get rid of the tickets. And they realize that they have been a bit unfair. They apologize for how they've acted. And then they decide to have a straw picking contest. To which DW says, I can't believe it takes a four-year-old girl to suggest picking straws.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this was kind of the line. I like it when DW is the voice of reason in a situation.
0: This and I mean like my my uh I, I do picking straws for who does the dishes with my with my in-laws. So this is certainly not something that's age restricted. Should've thought of this a long time ago. And George wins. They go to George and Arthur go to the concert eventually together, and when you know it, it's front row tickets all right, but they're basically just looking at a big wall for the whole thing. They're they are situated, it's like right where the stage begins to rise and you can't actually see anything so they're just bad tickets all around we hear a little bit of static airwaves they seem to be as you said more in the line of limousine from homestar runner just kind of a hard rock band so yeah, Ar- kind of hair and- y.
1: like yeah,
0: oh. that yeah a little bit and arthur it and reminiscent
1: George- of i went to go see uh um- yeah Megadeth uh, was either last week or the week before. Oh, really? You went to that show? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Megadeth Corner. We're going to tap into the Megadeth Corner for a second. Sure. Will, Dave has not lost a step. I was blown away. They put on, I mean, Dave is the only, like, original member still there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Everybody else is, like, a session musician or whatever, but they put on a hell of a show. I was really, really blown away.
0: That's awesome. I I thought I remembered hearing a couple years ago that, like, Dave was like way old and couldn't sing anymore. So I'm glad that he is still can put on a good show at least.
1: Oh yeah. No, no. I I was, I was fairly impressed anyway.
0: uh, I'm I'm, I'm very glad to hear it.
1: Let's hope that static. uh, What's it called again? Static Static. airwaves. Let's hope static airwaves is on the same level as, as old Megadeth.
0: Static airwaves. It's the same name as like a band that we would have to play on the radio because of CanCon. That's like fine. You know, (laughs) not particularly all that good and George and Arthur shrug their shoulders they can't really see but they're going to have a good time anyway all right let's take it back here we started off with Opposites Distract which was a big time Arthur Buster episode what did you think of Opposites Distract Lucas
1: I thought it was a really funny episode Um, You know, I'm predisposed to enjoy a good uh, dose of Buster, but I thought the way Arthur and Buster were getting on each other's nerves and the writing in this episode was really strong, um, and I thought that, you know, it wasn't just funny, there was a good underlying message of kind of overcoming your respective eccentricities and meeting each other in the middle uh to achieve a better situation for everyone involved uh, i really really enjoyed it i mean i don't have that much to say about it um not necessarily the most you know in-depth episode in the world but i thought it was really really funny like i was laughing out loud throughout it especially at when jo- uh, buster became jokerfied what about you will
0: yeah, I liked it, too. I I, I think this is probably the, the one of the season that I've liked the most so far. It's a funny premise to put them both together. It, I mean, it literally is the premise of a sitcom, as they alluded to. So it's their take on the odd couple, but in a way that felt true to both of the characters. And it was just it was just funny. Like there was a lot of, uh, as we said, Jokerified Buster, really big highlight. But it also was very true of like the type of idiosyncrasies that Arthur would have. And it's. Yeah, I th- I, th- I thought it just unfolded very well. There's lots of fun little details in the way it was written, and of course, like the countries, uh, the vegetables representing the countries was a good bit. And yeah, no, I just thought this is a uh, quite a solid episode. I really enjoyed it. I would also say that I I liked just the ticket. I liked it fine. It, it, like I don't like it as much as um as the first one. Opposites distract, but there was enough. ...fun things going on that I... ...had an okay time with it... it, it ...it's... I, I, ...really, what I enjoyed the most... are ...were the references to radio stations... And, ...and all that kind of stuff... ...it was interesting to have Arthur... ...in... ...something of an ensemble episode... ...it really is just about him though... ...the other characters are barely there... ...in the ways that they normally are... ...and they're actually like active... ...like nuisances to him... ...throughout the whole thing... ...so it was a bit of an odd situation... Uh, it was nice to see George get the win for once, but yeah, you know, it felt like a little bit of a run-of-the-mill Arthur episode. We've seen this idea done in various ways before, and it, I mean that's okay to have more of these modern plots reference back to or hint at older uh, episodes, but it also just means like yeah, I've kind of kind of seen it before, so yeah, it's all right.
1: Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I thought this was a good two-episode pairing. This this week kind of flew by. Um, I think that, once again, you're right that in terms of moral and kind of driving plot, it's nothing we haven't seen before. Um, but I did like how kind of ruthless... Uh, all of Arthur's friends were in this app. I like, I like how Buster is immediately trying to manipulate him once he can get him alone. Uh, and ever, seeing everybody pathetically leave 20 messages on his answering machine was pretty entertaining to me. Uh, but I agree that I definitely didn't like it as much as Opposites
0: Distract. And there you go. We continue to find uh, patches of season 17 that we like. Eh, Some that we're not so crazy on. But hey, that's how it goes here with Arthur. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. If you are on the Patreon, of course, you're getting this episode a week early. But coming up at the end of June, we are uh, doing our bi-monthly rotation of special podcasts. And we're coming back to For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast. There's still a couple of recommendations that we've gotten of course remember as a patron you have access to a suggestion box link if you scroll back through the patreon you can find it and you can suggest pbs kids shows that you would like us to cover that we haven't already and that did air on pbs and please feel free to leave us episode recommendations too and we've gotten a few of these shows that have been recommended more than once so we're going to be focusing on those ones first one of those that we've gotten a couple of requests for is a show that I literally know nothing about, and somehow the title tells me even less. So at the end of June, Lucas, you and I are going to be talking about a show called Jaker's The Adventures of Pigley Winks. Oh, I've seen this show. I'm familiar with this show. Oh, really? So yeah, see, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that happened That happened on our last episode, too. A lot of these newer pbs shows or ones that i'm not necessarily familiar with but for one reason or another lucas you may have seen before yeah so i think
1: it's generational maybe the listeners are closer to my uh closer to my era i will say that um though i remember this show i don't necessarily have fond feelings towards it i'm looking at pictures (laughs) of jakers now and i'm like oh right these these guys so we'll, we'll get into it though in the in the end of june
0: for sure, we'll be uh, we'll be going in. I'll be going in fairly blind, and Lucas may be revisiting a little bit of his childhood. Uh, so you can expect that at the end of June. Of course, if you haven't listened to it yet, patrons, check out ECL Origins, the episode on Home Star Runner. And coming up next for ECL, Elwood City said is it's episode two hundred. Episode two hundred is our next episode. We'll have to. We're gonna. We'll do all of the. Oh, reckoning with that the next time we're here we're going to be talking about the episodes All Thumbs and Kidonia uh, I, I will also head this off right now I don't have like big plans for episode 200 there's something that may be here in time but if not it's not a huge deal I didn't specifically plan it for episode 200 um, yeah no no big plans uh, don't ex- you know I'm not ex- expecting any like special guests or something like that we're just we're just going to do what we always do We're going to talk about Arthur, and we're going to do it for the 200th time next time you hear from us. Otherwise, we're going to be taking a little bit more time outside as we can. It's very, very nice out, and uh, might even be going to the beach this week. Returning to the beach. I'm so excited.
1: Yeah, fun in the sun.
0: All right, thanks, everybody, for listening to Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini,
1: a map? Who studies a geography test with a map?